The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Data Transformers podcast. I'm excited to have a guest from MIT CIO Symposium, is executive chair of MIT CIO Symposium, Alan Tate. Alan, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Ramesh, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you, sir. And then, uh, so Alan, if you could uh, just start off with what is MIT CIO Symposium about? Okay. So let me give you just a, a nutshell tour of what we've done. So this is the 18th annual MIT Sloan CIO Symposium. So for 16 years, uh, this was an in-person event, primarily at Kresge Auditorium on MIT. Our focus, I think that what makes us unique is that we bring together MIT thought leaders um, from across MIT, but primarily from the Sloan School. Uh, along with in the trenches CIOs and now also CDOs and other technology leaders who are in the trenches and have different conversations to gain insights and debate in, in a one-day format that would happen at Kresge Auditorium. And mm. then last year, COVID hit, right? So the symposium was canceled except for the CIO award. So I should say that the symposium traditionally had two special things that went on the innovation showcase, which would typically happen, um, you know, after the panel discussions at Kresge Auditorium. And that's where we highlighted uh, various startups that um, would get nominated and we would pick to feature. Um, mm. That part has not continued in the pandemic, but the CIO leadership award which is where we uh, have people apply and then um, we go through a very uh, thorough vetting process to pick out the best finalists and then ultimately pick a winner. That did happen in 2020. But we wanted to do something to, to bring something to our audience in 2020. So um, I took over as chair in April of 2020. And uh, working with the organizing team, we decided to create something which I called the Digital Learning Series. And what that was, was a series of webinars that went from June through October. It was mm -hmm. one a month. So there wasn't really any other component except that um, we did do in parallel with, the, with those episodes an update series. So basically, I hosted an update series with Christopher Reichart, who is a former chair, and we used that to kind of review what happened at the panel discussions and get audience feedback. A lot of it was really focused on finding out what the audience wanted. And so we we did a lot of interaction with the audience. We also did a lot of surveys. And based upon those results, um, we created in 2021 the first digital edition of the symposium. And, and 
what I can say about that is what I observed in the industry was that people were trying to take the in-person event and sort of pull it up and put it into a virtual format. Mm -hmm. And I felt that we really wanted to take the audience feedback and rethink what a conference would be um, in a digital format. So in other words, to start from scratch, to say, this is our new medium. Yeah. What is it going to look like? So we ended up creating an eight-week conference where it was hosted on a platform that's actually designed for a community. So instead of using a platform that's designed for a conference, we moved into a, a community-based platform. And um, the schedule is basically we have an announcement on Monday. It's very lightweight. Then mm -hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday, we have panel discussions, which are very much like the original uh, symposium where we bring together both those MIT thought leaders and the CIOs. We have maybe three or four of them, and then it's a webinar format and people participate. The thing that we added to that in 2021 is on Thursday, we have what's known as an open discussion. Mm -hmm. So then all the people come together in a Zoom meeting format and actually discuss the theme of the week as well as the panel discussions. And this has turned out to be a really popular element of the 2021 uh, format. In fact, the feedback that I got just today was that you know, people say that that this is something that they haven't really experienced even in the in-person. So when we go back to in-person, they don't want to lose this because they're really enjoying it. And then the other element is, is that we have um, smaller get-togethers in what I call virtual booths. Mm. And those are where we um, have only 10 to 20 people and we really go deep into a subject, um, maybe cybersecurity or maybe um, we had a, um, a company called Flow, which is a startup that does visualization of data and they were showing how their technology worked. And so you get a few people and those are really designed to allow people to get to know each other um, better and then the last thing I would say is that this is also uh, structured where we, we've tried to establish the spirit that everyone who's part of the community, we're building this together. And so we're doing a little bit of experimentation. So for example, this week, we added an element where we opened up a text chat um, along with the panel discussion so people could exit the panel discussion and then go into a text chat and chat with each other until basically 12 or lunchtime. Mm. And, and then, um, and, and people have liked that. So we're going to continue that, uh, going forward. And, and of course I'm getting input from people, you know, in 2022, we hope to, um, be a little bit experimental with other startups. There's a lot of startups that have, entered the space of trying to make uh, virtual meetings and communication yes. more um, friendly for people, more productive. And so it, it's this is sort of a uh, an experimental, a, a, 
a petri dish, a place where people can experiment in a safe environment. So that's where we're at in 2021. Wow, so lots of digital innovation happening about conferences, about symposium, and using uh, you know, the MIT Sloan CEO symposium itself as a, an experimental ground. That's great, actually. So, so well, um, in, in terms of, um, so Alan, um, the themes that uh, your uh, committee is uh, selected, right? So I, I, I uh, looked at a few of them um, last three, four weeks, I think you already completed. So next week is the big event of the CIO. And so how did you come up with uh, these themes? And just for the audience, let me just uh, reiterate what the themes are. One is the future of work. That was the first week. And you had a digital innovation, digitalization trends, innovation challenges, enterprise leadership, that's coming up, an enterprise strategy, right? So these are the broad themes. What kind of experimentation went into figuring out these are the themes for the current times? Yeah. So it's a mixed answer. <clears throat> so I think that uh, in week one, where we had the future of work. Um, so I work with a, a group, uh, Irving Vladowski Berger, Mike Grandinetti, um, and others who give me input on, on what are the things that we really want to focus on. So we start out with the top level theme for the symposium, which this year is the big, big reset, digital enterprises shift into high gear. Um, Irving in particular thought it was very important since MIT had just released their new report on the future of work hmm. um, that we bring that report and highlight it. So we we went and we got Elizabeth Reynolds, who, who by the way, is now a special advisor to President Biden. Uh, so, How timely is you it? Know, she, yeah, so she actually gave her talk from the White House. And then um, we also uh, got Kathleen Kennedy, who is, um, she, well, so we were very interested in Tom Malone's book called Superminds, which talks about how um, computers, how groups of people, but also groups of people and machine intelligence mm. can combine to be more productive than people as individuals. Kathleen Ken Kennedy is the executive director of the Center for Collaborative Intelligence. So that's how that came about. Um, you know, some of the other topics like, so um, digital innovation, um, we have a longstanding partnership with Carrie Pearlson. Uh, she's from CAMS um, and does a lot of work on cybersecurity. And um, as you mentioned, uh, Abby Lundberg, who um, had a talk on uh, talent acquisition, which, by the way, has become a really important, Very important. topic in the uh, COVID. Um, I would say that, you know, to be honest with you, some of the themes um were generated from the bottom up you know where we've kind of picked the panels and then thought about what the umbrella theme was and others like the future of work that was very deliberate you know we wanted to talk about the future of work and who can we get and so we got um kathleen and elizabeth great so alan one thing that um another um topic that was close to my heart and then i looked into is the cyber uh, security, right? So there was one session on cybersecurity. Given what's going on real time with this, uh, you know, the gas pipeline um, uh, issue that just happened a few days ago, um, 
I mean, is, is there, a, in the spirit of experimentation, was there uh, uh, thinking that the cybersecurity should be a theme by itself? Uh, it's important uh, along these lines. Anything is coming up uh, from the discussions that uh, 2022, this should be the theme? Well, um, so we, we haven't traditionally done, uh, at least not in the past few years, cybersecurity is a separate theme on, a, on its own. I think that your point is definitely fair. Cybersecurity tends to be a topic that percolates through all of the sessions. I mean, I would say I that see. if you listen to all the sessions, it came up over and over. Um, you know, from a CAMS point of view, um, Carrie focuses a lot on talking about how you change people's values and beliefs and how you build an organization to um, have a level of maturity where you're re really building cyber secure products. Um, but I would say cyber security was mentioned almost every single week in, in terms of an issue that CIOs are concerned about. One of the things about the symposium, and maybe I didn't mention this before, is our focus is largely on technology leadership. So um, although we do talk about the actual technology, um, our, you know, we always shift back to how do we lead enterprises to um, build product and and have an impact and and uh, um, and how to use technology to change the bottom line of their business and 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 how CIOs are getting involved in in strategy now one of the things about the community um, structure that we created is that at the booth level where we have what I call you know dinner party conversations, mm -hmm. Part of that was intended to allow people to take the technology piece and to go deeper. So in cybersecurity, for example, um, we did actually have a follow-up conversation at like 6.30 in the evening where we got more into the, the technical depth. So that was one of the things in 2021 um, was to try to allow there to be time when people were interested to go into more technical depth on particular subjects. Okay, so these are like a breakout panels, but looks like it's more impromptu breakout panels where whatever that comes up during the discussions, you just break out as opposed to a, a scheduled breakouts. Like a, you, you assign these breakout topics ahead of the time, that's what I've seen in conferences, but looks like a, what you guys are doing is you know, based on the discussion topics that are coming up, you just go and have a breakout session for those. Is, is that what it is? Almost. So we do pre-plan them, but the thing is, is that when we create a booth, think, think of it this way. The way I describe this, the, the 2021 symposium to people is, in a way, the community is like a resort town, takes Stowe, Vermont. <laughs> the symposium itself is the mountain, and the panel discussions are those main trails that you come down during the day. Then you take your skis off and you go into Stowe, and then you got restaurants and you got, you know, little shops, and those are what we call booths. Oh. And each booth has an owner. Mm. So the International Partners booth is owned by Chitra and Christo. 
and some other people on the organizing team. So they own that real estate. So I'm like a real estate manager. They have that. <laughs> That's booth, a good one. Right. And, and, and so now Chitra makes her own relationships with different partners and she schedules these other uh, events. And so they're not, they're part of the community. They're not really formally part of the symposium. So we actually placed the symposium in this environment where other people can do what they want. And one of the things that our international team is doing that I think is very interesting is they're looking at uh, attracting other CIO groups from around the world and coming in and having their own uh, piece of real estate. So, for example, they can have within their booth, you know, after the panel discussions, they can have their own discussions. Uh, so to give you an example, this week, um, the guy, uh, Peter, mm -hmm. from CIO Canada, they have an, a CIO association in Canada, he gave a talk within the International Partners booth, and we're in conversations with him about creating a space for his people to, part to participate. So there's this basically there's this, if I can use the word ecosystem, mm -hmm. that is the foundation for the community. And then the symposium, I guess, is, like I say, that's that's the main mountain. That's where you go for the panel discussions. So uh Chitra, for example, next week's discussion is one that wasn't planned at the beginning of the symposium. I she see. established a partnership with MIT Martin Trust. They wanted to do a talk. She got it on the calendar and it appeared. Excellent. I mean, that is actually, um, it's very innovative in terms of how you are transforming the, the conferencing, the virtual conferencing um, in real time to adjust to the new realities and also make it a more a community. That's, that's great, Alan. So one last question before I go segue into a different uh, area. So the last question here is, so there's a lot of uh, discussion about the data, right? So, I mean, last year I heard some of the episodes on the CIA symposium and this year also, and then this, uh, the theme of the digital versus data, right? How, what extent of discussion is going on about um, the data quality, data governance, the policies, and the importance of data in the CIO symposium. Yeah, so um, I would say that um, we talk more about digital and digitalization than the mm. actual data. I mean, you know, we, we do, I think there is some discussion about the data, but I think that the focus of the symposium, since we're really talking about leadership, um, is more attuned to how do we use all the data that's out there and now that everything is being digitized, how do we change the process? How do we create new products? How do we, you know, so you, you uh, digitalization, um, how do you, how do you take the data and now reinvent your processes both to get economic um, efficiencies in what you're doing. So of course, you know, like an insurance company, they may um, use data along with algorithms to speed up the, um, the review cycle, right? For um, um, look, looking at um, insurance claims or that type of thing. Correct. But also what we're seeing is that a lot of CIOs are um, finding ways to 
um, to really make the customer a focus and then combining sometimes, you know, they, they could be actually building physical product, um, you know, like Oshkosh, one of our CIO finalists, or um, maybe maybe it's all digital product, but the point being that they can they can enhance the customer experience um, and and change the way that the customer interacts with the company using um, algorithms, data, APIs, and technologies. And, you know, just just the whole user experience. And so, what you see is you know, the CIO was the leader of the technology, right, in, in a company in, in, in terms of IT technology. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen a shift where the CIO is more and more, well, first they were working with the other CXOs, right, mm -hmm. on business strategy. Now, as there's the emergence of digital, they're becoming leaders in the business strategy, like at the table, really driving the business strategy. And what you hear more and more is not only that, the, the companies are are looking are becoming very attuned to their own mission. And so the CIOs working with the other CXOs are focusing not just on the business strategy, not just on the bottom line, but but how can they make a positive impact, just be a good citizen? And I think that one of our CIOs who was at the symposium said it um, in a very good way, mm -hmm. said, you know, COVID was a was a call to action. All of us had to not only take care of the customer and the employee, but we had to take care of the world, right? And we had to respond. And 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 what I hear over and over at the symposium is how this is carrying forward um, with um, companies really taking their missions very seriously and seeing that they can use digital technology to realize, you know, those dreams, which is, I think, I think is great. Yeah, actually, um, you're right. So the whole COVID situation um, accelerated. I, we keep hearing the same thing, the digital transformation by multiple years, you know, it's a five years and that kind of stuff. So it's a blessing in disguise. So that's great. So um, Alan, I'm looking forward to next week where you'll announce the CIO of the year. So last year was a CarMax CIO. Anyway, so I want to go uh, segue a little bit about uh, into Alan Tate. Who is he? Right. How, how did he come to be executive chair of MIT Sloan CIO Symposium? So uh, the way I want to segue into it, first thing is, I don't know if anybody told you, so you have a what what uh, people say, radio voice, right? So you, once you start speaking, it, it seems like a, so you're perfect fit for the radio. So Alan, if you could uh, let me know, uh, you know, how did that voice help you? Or, so what's your background? Yeah, so it's a it's kind of interesting. Uh, well, so first of all, I am an uh, MIT alum. I was a Draper Fellow back in the day. I worked in the robotics lab, and uh, they they paid for my education, which I was very happy about. <laughs> this is great. And then uh, you know, I I I went up through the ranks as a de uh, developer in software. I did uh, work for Schneider Electric. Um, building their motion control system mm. along with some of my colleagues, ultimately joined Rational Software, got very heavy into software development, and then um, 
IBM bought them out. So then I became an IT architect and I used to fly around the country designing systems for Boeing and Walmart. Uh, Walmart, for example, I was one of the architects of their uh, new purchase order processing system. I used to tell my wife that, you know, I'm I'm taking the big Goliath and making them even bigger and stronger. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, they were a big customer of IBM. We had dedicated office space uh, down there. And so I, I worked on that. And then, uh, you know, um, I ended up meeting uh, Lindsay Anderson, who was my prior chair about nine years ago at a conference at MIT. And I just talked to him afterwards and he said, oh yeah, I just got this new job. I'm with the CIO symposium. And I said, oh, that sounds really interesting. I'd love to help. And he goes, really? Mm -hmm. Why don't you show up next week? And I did. And so I was, um, a volunteer for many years. I, I was on the marketing team and then chaired the marketing team for a few years. Hmm. Then I co-chaired the technology team. I was also a panel captain. And um, and also for personal reasons, I switched out of my technical role at IBM and took a, a sales role so that I could be closer to the home. There were okay. I wanted to be here because of my son. Um, it allowed me to stay closer to home at a time when that was important. Yeah. So I ran a, uh, um, I was with the, um, the technology services group and I um, managed a district for IBM for that. But anyway, when... Um, was that the one that was sold uh, to another company, the technology services group? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, I remember. But um, so, uh, Lindsay ultimately retired. They they put the the job up, and I decided to apply. And obviously, I got it. Now, the way that it worked was that I um, was associate chair for a year, so that I could work under Lindsay. I we see. wanted to have continuity. And um, now, in parallel with that. Um, you know, you, you asked about the radio voice. I had gotten interested uh, a few years ago in um, creating a new career that you would carry me into retirement because I knew I wasn't going to stay in technology forever. So I decided to try voiceover. So I built a studio in my house. Wow. And um, I got a, some training. I haven't had a tremendous amount of success with it yet, but what was really interesting was is I did this work um, kind of as a beginning in voiceover, and then we had to pivot. So, you know, I had been volunteering. I actually volunteer at the local TV station. I anchor the news every Monday. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so as a as a volunteer, so the our local TV station is a teaching station. Um, we have students, and so you know part of the mission is of community television um, is to allow citizens to record and create programming. So we have a, adult citizens that try to do that. Plus, you know, a relationship with the um, with the local. Uh, high school, yeah. which, which we do, and uh, and in parallel too, um, I I I've started taking classes at our local community college because you know people in Massachusetts may not know this, 
but uh, when you get to a certain age, you can take any course you want for 50 bucks. So I, I took the audio technology, video technology classes at the community college. And actually my professor from Middlesex community is the audio guy for the symposium. Wow, what kind of connection? I mean, this, I love these stories, you know, because once you start talking, lots of things come up. I learn something new every day about uh, uh, this uh, classes that the community, uh, the radio station that you have, the teaching radio station um, kind of thing. So it's a fascinating. So, so even though I mean, we think, okay, Alan Tate is a voiceover artist, they're all connected, right? So it's connected. All connected. To, yeah. And, and in fact, actually, so after the symposium is over, my youngest son, who has a, is majoring in um, music, so he and I are actually going to start working together on the voiceover. One of my voiceover coaches, she did the same thing with her daughter. And so she's encouraged me and Eric to get together and do this together. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to work with him. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and you know, the other thing I'll, I'll just say, since you mm -hmm. like stories, is uh, through this whole journey of getting involved in voiceover, I also ended up um, being a, a background character on some on a couple of Netflix films. So, uh, I love it. So uh, this this last one, don't look up. I I I spent like three or four days on set last fall uh, doing that. Now you know you don't you don't make a lot of money being. No, on it's not a lot. But I got to tell you, first of all, it's fun. Yeah, it's right? fun. And you learn a lot because, you know, the director is there. So you're like right there watching him. Yeah. And and he's explaining to all the extras, you know, what he's doing, why he's doing it. Because he knows, you know, people are here to learn a little bit. Yeah. And so actually, a lot of the way we develop the digital learning series and uh, what we're doing, you'd be surprised how much I learned and copied by being on Netflix, at working at a TV studio, you know, all mm. those things I, I married into the, the technology piece in order to do the production. So, you know, I, I, I do think I'm a big advocate of volunteering, getting out, trying new things. You know, you don't have to get paid for everything. You meet people, you find people, you yep. make connections and, uh, and it, and it cross pollinates your mind. Excellent. Actually, that's a fantastic advice. I mean, look how your volunteering led you to be the executive chair and totally different field. And then how your voiceover and the community college thing, how they're connected. Your professor came to be the audio guy at the symposium. And God knows what your, um, you know, your um, uh, recording thing that you're doing for the you know, background artist, where that will lead. So maybe one of these days you will be a big Disney movie background artist. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Hey, you know, the, the important thing is I'm having fun along the way. Exactly. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.